it's good to be back. I'm going to explain to you exactly what we did, where we went, a little bit about uh, what the Lord said, and it was a time of seeking after the Lord. So let's just get started. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we rejoice over you that you speak clearly, that you set parameters, that you clear the paths and guide our footsteps. Even though we don't understand everything, Lord, we know that you do. And so, Father, our walk we know is a matter of trust. And help us as we continue to walk in your ways. Help us to trust you even more for what lies ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, first I need to give thanks to Eric and Dustin and Les and Kim and all of you who uh, continue to serve. Um, I went up to Eric, or I think I called him, and uh, met him and said, okay, heading out. And he goes, oh yeah, where are you going? And what are you going to do? And I said, well, I don't know exactly everything. I just know that I'm supposed to uh, spend some time with the Lord. So this is what I'm going to go through. I put them down in Roman numerals. What happened? When was this decided? Why did I take four weeks away? Where did you go or where did we go? Um, Who did we seek counsel from and what now? So that's what I'm going to answer. Well, what happened? Ministry, I need to check something here first. I need to back up. Okay. First John sixteen thirty three says, I have told you these things so that you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Ministry has its own set of trials and frustrations, and sometimes those difficulties can take their toll. As a result of being in a very difficult trial one month ago, I found myself not being in the right frame of mind. I felt I didn't possess the proper heart to teach, to serve, or to offer counsel. This has not happened often in the last 25 years here at Calvary Chapel Lakeside, and July 7th of this year will be 25 years. In the midst of this trial, I became contemplative. I was turning to the Lord and just asking a bunch of questions concerning myself in the ministry. After serving and being in this ministry, I was asking, should I still pastor the church? I was asking, is there something else God would have me do? Would the body be okay if I took some time off to consider this? Am I serving the body as I should? Is the body healthy? Are individuals growing? Is there fruit in their lives? Why did only three people come to the National Day of Prayer? Where were the leaders of the other ministries? Are there things I should change concerning the leadership or the ministry? Are there things I should change concerning myself? Should there be new ministries in the church? Should some of the other ministries be allowed to fade? And by the way, as I am bringing this to you, I have no intent 
to bring guilt or condemnation on anybody. I'm just giving you my honest evaluation of what I was going through and what I was saying. Because Romans is clear in 8.1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you're taking that away from this, I'm just simply explaining what I was experiencing. I also asked, and I included myself in these questions. Are we a giving church? Are we a church made up of complainers? Are we a loving church? Do we love Jesus? And are we completely surrendered to him in all areas? Do we honor Jesus with our lips but have our hearts far from him? If as a body Jesus asked us to do something, would we be eager and willing to do it or would we say no? Do we give of our time and our money generously and cheerfully? Are we like the Israelites who in Exodus came out of Egypt as grumblers and complainers? Are we a praying church? Are only a few making the ministry work and the rest apathetic, obstinate, unwilling, or complacent? Are we all seeking to be better disciples? Are we being successful in making disciples? Are we helping the sick, the poor, and visiting those in prison? I was reminded about 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, where it says, Examine yourselves. And that specifically in context is to see if you're in the faith or not. But I think it's good to examine ourselves or judge ourselves where we are. And so corporately, uh, when we look at our church in general, um, the thing to go to is the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3, there are seven churches listed there. In the church in Ephesus, the church had forsaken its first love. Smyrna, the church would suffer persecution. In Pergamum, the church needed to repent of their sexual immorality and their false teaching. In Thyatira, the church that had false prophetesses in it. In Sardis, the church had fallen asleep. In Philadelphia, the church that had to endure patiently. In Laodicea, the church with a lukewarm faith. And so I, I looked at us and I looked at the scripture and I'm saying, okay, so where are we? What are we doing? And this was all spurred on by the uh, difficult trial that both Patty and I were going through uh, a month ago. And if these problems exist, how much of it am I responsible for as opposed to the body? How much is the body responsible for? And I think it's good to reflect on this. I probably should have done this more instead of just keeping my nose to the grindstone and just plugging away. I needed to take some time and reflect. And of course, the perfect church would be a praying, loving, giving, serving, sacrificing, and caring church, right? Do I believe we can become the perfect church? No, I don't think we can. There's no such thing. Someone who is a good friend uh, said to me the day after we left San Diego, uh, and this is my paraphrase, you cannot build a perfect church with imperfect people. And I would add, you cannot build a perfect church with an imperfect pastor. So I was seeking after God to provide some answers to these questions. I needed to hear the Lord. So when was this decided? Well, I went through a trial. I think it began on a Saturday or Sunday. And by the time Tuesday arrived, my frame of mind was just shot. And so I was making arrangements uh, to just exit out of here. I just needed to spend some time with God just to be with him, to be refreshed and to seek after his will. And this is something that is quite biblical. Uh, Jesus did it. He dismissed the people that he was ministering to and went up on a mountainside to pray by himself. 
And when evening came, he was there alone. Uh, and as far as practical application is concerned, Ray Bentley once took six months off over at Maranatha Chapel. And he just sought after the Lord. And I also learned on this trip that Pastor David Jeremiah takes every August, every year off. And he is out of the pulpit. He's out of the ministry completely. And so if I follow their examples, and especially the example of Christ, I think it would be beneficial not only for me but for you as well. My first plan was to go away to the High Sierra. I was going to rent a backpack, and I was going to get lost in the wilderness. Uh, much to the chagrin of my wife, she would have been left behind. I would not have taken her with me. And that could have been uh, its own set of problems to deal with, uh, especially going away and seeking after the Lord when my wife needs ministering to as well. But due to a snowstorm that blew through, the plan was changed. And during that time, I think, Les and Marjorie, you were up there. I think you were up at that place. Well, I decided uh, to take a week and a half. Or my plan changed, so I was going to take a week and a half or two weeks, and I was going to get in the car, and I was just going to drive. And I asked Patty to come along with me, knowing that the trial I was going through, she was also experiencing. And I thought it would be good for us to visit some other churches and also some old friends that actually started this church with us 25 years ago. Patty and I sought the Lord daily. We prayed together. We asked Jesus to provide wisdom and direction for the two of us and for the church during the time that we are away. And again, I, I met with um, Dustin. I know that he, was, he still is leading the trip over to Cambodia, and they're going to be coming back Wednesday. I think that they're going to be here, if the time frame is right, anywhere between 4 and 6 o'clock on Wednesday. Uh, they'll be coming back, and I know that they're just doing great things over there. And so we have been gone a total of four weeks, and I knew I would take these two weeks. I would come back just for uh, not even a week, and then we already had a, a planned exit to be out of here for 10 days. And so that's where we were for the last 10 days. It was like the second half. It was more of a uh, getaway uh, for Patty and I to relax rather than the first two weeks. So where did we go? And what process did we use to seek after God? There's no defined way to do it. Uh, you can lock yourself in a room for 40 days and just drink water. And you can seek after the Lord. You can go to the desert or the mountains and you can be alone with God. I thought it would be best uh, for us to hit the road. And literally, you know, where we just got in the car. And I had kind of an idea what I wanted to do and where I wanted to go. Uh, we combined the time together, or I combined the time together with God and with Patty, uh, seeing God's creation and seeking counsel, listening to messages and worship music and praying and doing a couple other things. And this is also good. This is also biblical. Uh, Psalm chapter 8, verse 3 says, When I consider your heavens and the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. In other words, we look at creation and we see God's goodness and his order and everything that is involved with that. And Psalm 119 verse 15 says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. And so we got alone and we were considering what the Lord has done with us and what the Lord may want to do. And we sought after him in his word. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And that's what we were doing. Uh, Psalm 143 verse 5 says, I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and I consider what your hand has done. 
And so this is biblical, to get away, to consider creation, to look into the Word, to pray, to seek counsel, all of those things, just because this is all spurred on by trial. Now, where did we go exactly? Well, I, I, I look back on it and what we did, and I knew, I, I know now, it was just fantastic uh, to be able to get away. Every time I would turn around where we traveled, Patty was saying how amazing things were. Um, and we started here in San Diego. We ended up in the evening in Phoenix, Arizona. I think we left on a Sunday night. Was that right, Patty? Sunday night? We left on a Sunday night. We ended up in Phoenix, and we stayed at a house of a friend uh, that began the ministry with us here. And they have gone through their own set of trials uh, in the church that they have been a member of for probably 15 or 20 of those years. And they were telling us of the problems they experienced. And God, during them telling us what they had experienced, it helped for us, Patty and I, to define what we are to do and not to do here what mistakes were going on in the church. He's no longer in that church. He has moved on to another church. But it was just incredible. It's like the Lord set things up for us. He had gone before us. And so the counsel we were receiving, it was just like um, pouring water on a dry stretch of ground. And it was just filling it up. And it's like, okay, this is full of wisdom. And, and after we talked with them, Patty and I, we... You know, we'd get in the car and we'd drive. From here to Phoenix, it's five hours. And then from Phoenix, we went to Las Cruces, New Mexico. And that's another five hours or so. And then from Las Cruces, New Mexico, we went to Carlsbad Caverns. Now, when you get to Carlsbad Caverns, I went there as a child. Patty had never been there. She walked in there and she was just amazed. You know, she looked around. And by the way, the elevators were broken. <laughs> and so we not only hiked down and hiked all the way through but we hiked up as well and so we got plenty of exercise that particular day coming out of there and it is a marvel to behold it's not quite like it was when I was a child but it, it's still uh, it's a marvelous thing to go and see and so we did that and then from there we headed off to Albuquerque New Mexico where Yolanda was at that particular time, we were texting, or Patty was texting Yolanda, and Yolanda had no idea that we were just basically right around the corner. And we thought about showing up and just blessing her, but we said, no, we're kind of seeking after the Lord, and so we don't want to do that. And we planted there for two days. We went out and we saw like the old part of uh, Albuquerque, the old part of town, and there's actually a house there. It's a bed and breakfast called uh, the Botker Mansion. Uh, it is there. It, 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 you can look it up on the Internet. I have pictures of it. <clears throat> and we were going to go inside, but, you know, there's always timing. And then we also went over to Skip Heitzig's church, Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico. And when we got there, it was uh, for us a time of reflection. We got into the... Uh, books. They have a bookstore and coffee shop, and the grant. I mean, it's just—it's a phenomenal ministry that is there. And I've gone to Israel with Skip 
and uh, I've talked to him at the pastor's conferences. He didn't happen to be there, and we stayed for the message that evening. And I don't know, what did we spend, six or seven hours there? Just We just sat. I bought books. I was reading the Bible, reading the books, seeking after the Lord, just like, Lord, what do you want? And Patty went on the outdoor patio. I was on the inside. I had my little um, cubicle, so to speak, and my coffee was right there. And it was just a wonderful time of refreshing. And we saw some of the sights in uh, New Mexico there. And it was, it was good to get another perspective outside of Lakeside of what ministry is about and what's going on. So we had that first in Phoenix, and then we went on to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Like I said, we stayed there a couple of days. And from Albuquerque, we went to their midweek service, and the, the message was good. Now, the way that they conduct their message, the thing that I was struck about was it reminded me of the Jesus People movement where I cut my teeth. I went to, um, I got saved in 1979. And that was towards the edge of the Jesus People movement. And when I went to, at that time, Calvary Chapel, San Diego, everybody brought their Bible. Everybody brought a notebook. Everybody was writing down notes. Everybody was seeking to be a disciple. When we got to Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, the sanctuary holds, I want to say, 3,000 people. It was almost full on Wednesday. And everybody had a Bible, and everybody was taking notes. And I thought, wow. And, you know, it caused me to reflect, do we do that? Do we sit down and write down notes and trying to find out what the will of God is? And, you know, there they they do it different. They have center stage worship. There is a screen that is probably as wide as the back of this church and it's up in the middle and then they have two TVs on this side and then they have lights going up and down and as the music fades and goes down then the lights go down and I mean there's all this mood setting and for me some of it was so distracting that I couldn't focus on the worship and the songs were different I knew one of the songs and the song that I knew was just like wow it's just awesome and it inspired me like wow not that we can get a light show going or anything like that but it it inspired me on uh, you know how to do things in ministry and it was it was all good like I said it was a time of refreshing and so from there from Albuquerque oh we also uh, ran into the store manager there and he loaded us up with a number of CDs from Skip uh, he asked us where we are from, and I told him. And he said, well, what do you do there? And I told him. He goes, oh! And he gave me just this stack of CDs. And so as we were driving, we're listening to these messages. We're trying to tune in to different uh, worship stations and teaching stations. And so when you're in the car for that long, uh, and Patty and I, I think we talk just about about everything. You name it, we probably talked about it. And it was a good time to work through 
some issues. And so that's what we were doing. As we were in the car, we didn't always talk the whole time. Uh, because after all, it's two weeks being together 24-7, my poor wife having to be with me that whole time. And, and we were talking and we were listening and we would rehash stuff and we would write down notes and, and we would stop in a couple of places, like I said, just like in Albuquerque, uh, to seek after the Lord. And by the way, we were not just sightseeing. Uh, we were... It, it was my idea that we would go to these places and we would behold what the Lord has done. It, it's so different in San Diego. Uh, you head across over to Las Cruces and to Albuquerque and even in Albuquerque from one side of the city to the other, there's mountains and pine trees on one side and on the other side it's just desert and it's desolate and it's all on a hill. And Yolanda, you know what's going on. By the way, we were there when you were there. Yeah, I know. We <laughs> And so uh, we were together for a long time and we were able to see God's handiwork and for both of us it was quite amazing. And it wasn't until the last two days of travel or so that we just left the radio off and and we were more contemplative. We didn't talk a lot uh, coming down the coast of California. From Albuquerque we drove to Wyoming uh, to a little town called Lusk. If you've never been to Lusk, um, it is a delightful little place. And you're always leery about these little hotels. You know, what, what's going to eat you while you are staying in that hotel at night? And there's a Best Western there that I would recommend to anybody. It was the cleanest. It was great. The pizza was good. A little restaurant that was there. Uh, it was just a good place. There weren't many people in that town, but it was a good place. From Lusk, we went off to South Dakota. South Dakota, we didn't go to Sturgis. Uh, we were close to Sturgis, but we went to see Mount Rushmore. And at Mount Rushmore, if you go inside, if you've ever been there, they have this whole area where you can read about the founding fathers and their faith and what they did. And I'm, I was amazed. I spent the whole time just reading about each one of these guys and what they did and how they trusted God for what was going on. And even back then, there were the environmentalists saying, how can you best represent these mountains by just leaving them alone? God has his handiwork. And you look at it, and you're, you're just amazed at what is there. It's a little bit smaller than what I thought it, it should have been. But we were amazed. And it was snowing, and it was cold, and you know, driving up there is cloudy. And, but it was still just a wonderful time to get away. You see the testimony of other people and how they endured. And what they endured is nothing compared to what I have gone through or any of us in here have gone through. From Mount Rushmore, uh, we stayed in a little place called Spearfish, South Dakota. And it's a little bit bigger town. And, uh, you know, it looked kind of deserted. It was cold there, too. Uh, wherever we went, it seemed like we were running into snow. And um, uh, we went to this one little sports bar to get something to eat. And everybody in the town was inside that sports bar. You, you wouldn't know from the outside, but as soon as you walked in, there wasn't a table to be had anywhere, and you knew everybody knew everybody right next to us. There was probably a table of 25, and they were all women, and they were all every single age and little kids. A couple of guys showed up later, and it was just like this small town little feel. And we got to experience that a little bit, and after that we had some ice cream, and then we got in... 
to our, uh, we stayed there the evening, and then we went to we went through Montana, and we spent several hours in Bozeman, Montana, in a little coffee shop that was there. Now, Randy and Debbie Larimore, uh, you, they were there, and she, on the way to Bozeman, she called me. And she, her father had passed away, and she was coming to San Diego, and she wanted to know if I could do the service. And I told her, unfortunately, I'm headed to Bozeman. And I told her, don't tell anybody in San Diego. You know, we're just kind of seeking after the Lord. And, and uh, so I made contact with her, and we talked with her. But we stayed in the town in a coffee shop, I don't know, for another four to five hours, just opening the Word, reading some stuff, just seeking after the Lord. And uh, it, it's nice, the coffee shops that they have today, they're agreeable to that. You can go in, you can sit down. They have everything there that you need. And they have a place where you can meditate, you can read, you can talk if you want to. And um, from there, we headed towards Jackson, Wyoming, Jackson Hole. And we came down onto the Tetons, and there was snowing towards the Tetons. We got to see about half of them. And if you've never been to the Tetons, and I saw it as a little child, but Patty had never seen it. Patty was like, in some respects, a little child. She would look out the window, and her back was to me as she's looking out the window, you know, kind of face plastered on the window, just just being amazed and I was pretty amazed too the way that it looked and the snow and the Tetons and then buffalo going by and and she saw how cute everything was and you know it was just a pretty amazing sight if you've never been to Yellowstone and on the way uh, to Yellowstone we stopped at the Devil's Tower by the way we went to Roswell we went to the Devil's Tower you know E.T. phone home all of that stuff and that that was kind of fun, you know, to do that, but uh, I, the sights were just incredible, and so we spent the night in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, we got up that day, and we stayed in town for a little bit before we took off, and we headed towards Yellowstone. We were in Teton National Park and towards Yellowstone, and then we saw the uh, Old Faithful and all of that. We, we did all of that, and did you hear about the guy who picked up the young bison calf and loaded it in his car because it was cold and they needed to take it to the ranger station and they ended up having to kill the young buffalo because they couldn't read. We were there at that. I couldn't believe what I was reading in the paper there. And then you heard about the guy who fell into the uh, hot spring and his body, I guess, just completely dissolved. He went off the trail. I mean, there are signs everywhere. Stay on the trail and the crust broke and he went into the pond and they haven't seen him since you know so all of these things are going on and, and some of those things were a reminder to me don't be stupid you know just just kind of use wisdom if somebody gives you a warning heed the warning you know we we saw some great things some wise individuals read about them and then we saw some really stupid acts that were out there and there there are more stories like that but uh, anyhow that's where we went and from Yellowstone we went to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho if you've never been to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho it is just a, a beautiful place we 
also uh, surprised a friend that started the church with us here, used to be the church secretary. And her husband knew that we were showing up, and he knew. And we just walked up to the door after she got off work, and, and she came to the door, and she just about fell over, you know, that we showed up. And uh, we spent hours talking with them. We decided to stay there another day. And while they were there, Patty was able to meet with her, and I did a few things uh, in the area. But it was just, again, it was a time of refreshing uh, to be there, hearing from the Lord. And then uh, after staying there for two days, and we ate dinner with them, and then we left the next day. We headed off towards Seattle, and we went to the church there, a Calvary Fellowship, uh, home of Pastor Wayne Taylor. Wayne Taylor often speaks at the Calvary Pastors um, fellowships that get together once a year. And so we went to his church there. And his church, it, it was bigger than this, but it was smaller. And there were fewer people than were in here on the Wednesday night service, but it's a larger church. And it, it, was, it was just a really good message. You know, I took notes wherever I went. And we took notes of that from Seattle or in Seattle. You know, we, we did a couple of things. We saw the Space Needle and the Glass uh, Museum there. And if you ever want to know what to look for up there, you can talk to Patty and I. And, and then from Seattle, we went to Portland. Portland, I, I must say, is weird. It, it, it's a beautiful city. But there, even in, we went to this place um, next to Pike Street called Powell's Bookstore. Powell's Bookstore is a six-story bookstore, and it has new and used books in there. There's a coffee shop in there, so what do we do? Six hours at least, we kept feeding the meter. Uh, we could see our car right outside the coffee shop that was in there. Kept feeding the meter, and we just we wanted to keep on buying books, and I came back with several books. And I sat there, and just there's things I wrote down. It's like, wow, Lord, this is just great, even though there's... There was weird people around us. At the Powell's Bookstore, they even have a sticker, a bumper sticker there that says, Keep Portland Weird. They will freely admit it. And as we came back to San Diego, we actually pulled up right behind a car from Idaho that had that sticker on their bumper, Keep Portland Weird. And then we went down to Pike Street. If uh, you've ever been to Pike Street up in Portland, that's where the original Starbucks is. And they have all these shops that are there. And it's uh, right on the waterfront. The waterfront is across the freeway that's there. And it, Portland was, for us, it was good. Uh, from Portland, we decided to head down towards um, Crescent City and Fort Bragg. But before we did that, we saw Crater Lake. And Crater Lake is beautiful. It was snowing again, uh, and the clouds cleared up just enough for us to see it. You couldn't see the, the beautiful blue that was there, but we went out there and we saw God's creation. You just marvel at how God paints, how he creates things. And from there, we went to Crescent City. If you've never been to Crescent City, Crescent City is a small little town. It's cold. It's windy. That's uh, where the redwoods start. And if you've ever been through the redwoods up there, uh, we stopped at several groves. We took several pictures and the majestic trees that are there. I have Patty standing next to a tree. It's 68 feet around. She looks like a tiny little ant next to it. Uh, and you look at that and you go, wow, God, God really has a way of making things beautiful. You know, you get down here and it's just... Um, 
<laughs> buckwheat plants and dead scrub that's out there. You have the beach, of course, but up there the, the greenery is just fantastic. From there we headed down south um, through the groves and went to Fort Bragg. I took Patty to uh, something that would be enjoyable for her. It was a surprise, but there is this uh, sea glass beach in Fort Bragg, and Patty likes to collect sea glass, and so that was kind of a thrill for her uh, to be there. We headed from there to Salinas, California. All the hotels were filled, so we kept on driving until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. We ended up, I think, in Greenfield, uh, which is just below Salinas, and from there we drove all the way home. We didn't let any of you know that we were here, but we decided to uh, just remain incognito before we took off again for another 10 days. And so who did we seek counsel from? Again, time was used to read scripture, to read other books. Uh, We communicated about everything. We prayed. We got counsel from others. We visited other churches. We listened to messages and worship music. And the Lord spoke. In Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So we read the books, we had devotions, uh, there were materials that we gathered, and we were, I was reminded on the trip of a couple of books, uh, The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin, In His Steps by Charles Sheldon. I was reflecting on those, I'd read those in the past. A few others, I, I like apologetics, and I read a book by the name of uh, Prove It by Dr. Cutchins, and it has a forward in it by Norman Geisler. And also, now, this particular book I think was good, but I think it's mislabeled. It's Ten Power Principles of Christian Service by Warren and David Worsby. And it's just insight on how to do ministry and what you as an individual or me as an individual, what we're supposed to be like. And it was just very fruitful uh, as far as what is in there and what can be learned and gleaned and taken with any individual who reads it. And then also Absolute Surrender by Andrew Murray uh, was into that. And I journaled thoughts and comments down. Patty also, she did the same thing. And we counseled with each other uh, what was going on with us and what we could expect for the future. So what now and what did God say exactly? Well, I came to the conclusion that there is fruit here. There could be more. There are those who are loving and willing to follow Christ wherever he should lead, but there are some who are resistant. While there are not large numbers that are... uh, being made disciples, there are more that could be if they are willing. There are those who give sacrificially both of their time and their resources, but we can improve on that. We are a normal church that experiences the same problems as any other church. I experience the same issues as other pastors and people in positions of leadership and what they face. And by the way, I, I read some testimonials of pastors And I tell you, uh, I am treated very well. There are pastors and pastors' wives that are heartbroken uh, because of the selfishness inside the body of Christ. And some of these pastors and their wives are just destroyed. 
And my heart went out to them, you know, of, of what they have to go through. And I was able to reflect on that and say, wow, I, I have no problems at all. But ministry, nonetheless, it is hard. Even for those who head up a particular ministry, it is hard. You will always receive opposition from without, from the enemy, from those outside the church, but you will also receive opposition from those who are within. And so we want to remember just to pay for, uh, pray for pastors in general. And then also, um, I, I want you to know that God's message to me and to you is that God still loves all of us. Uh, he wants me to stick with the program, uh, keep the hand to the plow, so to speak. In Luke chapter 9, verse 62, Jesus replied, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We got this like the second day out. It's like the Lord was just kind of blaring at us. Keep your hand on the plow. Keep looking forward. It, it was like it's good that we got away, but when you get back, grab that plow and just keep on plowing. Now, with that, once we begin, we're not supposed to pull back, but concerning me and what God instructed me to do and to be, and by the way, well, let me just read it here. As I was sitting down one of these times, I I was just asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And I just started writing, and I didn't stop until I finished with this list. It just, it just started flowing. It says, or I should write, or I wrote, If he commands me to teach, I will teach. If he commands me to pray, I will pray. If he commands me to go, I will go. If he commands me to work, I will work. If he commands me to love, I will love. If he commands me to sing, I will sing. If he commands me to die, I will die. I have no right to a bad attitude. I have no right to complain. I have no right to look back. I have no right to pull back. I have no right to say no to God. I have no right to be complacent or smug. I love. I must love like the master. I must live like the master. I must sacrifice like the master. I must endure like the master. I must serve like the master. I must give like the master. I must grow in wisdom like the master. I must offer my life like the master. I must be selfless like the master. I must be an example like the master. I am to fight the good fight of faith. Be wary of those who seek authority. Give authority to those who want it. Persevere in the face of opposition. Trust wholly in God and not in men. Do not become weary in well-doing. Bring as many who are willing. Help the doubtful. Assist the willing. Encourage the resistant. Pass over the obstinate. Resist the proud. Be gracious to all. Extend mercy to the penitent. Restore the fallen. Love and feed the sheep. Deny self. Be yielded to the Spirit. And hopefully, these are not only for me, but they can be for you as well. Uh, Jesus asked Peter three times, Do you love me? The response was, Feed my sheep. And so, this was the question that was asked of me, and that's my response. I'm supposed to feed the sheep. Now for us as believers, there are five things that I believe we will be focusing on. Number one is worship, that we are supposed to be a people that worships God. Number two, 
we are supposed to be becoming disciples, which means service and sacrifice. We put into practice what God has shown us. And we're supposed to do this with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Thirdly, we're to seek knowledge. God says we're to do this. And we know that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And so we want to combine this with love and asking for wisdom to do that. That is the fourth thing, asking for wisdom, how to apply the knowledge that he has given us and to also be a people of prayer. We, want to, we need to really be worshipers, make every effort to be a disciple and not say no in doing that. God told me specifically that those people who say no in this endeavor, that I'm to pass them over. I'm just supposed to go on to those who are willing. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He is the example in this. Now, there are some ministerial decisions that need to be made, and none of these decisions will be implemented or made unilaterally, which means I'm not just simply going to say, this is where we're going, this is what we're going to do. Uh, Eric and I and others are going to meet and we're going to discuss every single ministry and what needs to take place in every single ministry and free the people in those ministries to do what God has called them to do. I believe it is necessary to install some requirements and I needed to repent of this. God told me this as well. I've been so fearful about going to people and putting on requirements that they may shy away. But there are certain requirements, things that are required of leaders. But I am never, and this is what I learned the second day that we are out, I am never to control or micromanage the individual, never place them on a guilt trip, never feel like they should feel, never have them feel like they are guilty for not following through with my commands. I'm supposed to be the example, the greatest in God's kingdom, as a servant of all. And so I'm supposed to set the tone, the direction, all of that, and enable those people who want to be in leadership to be there. But there will be requirements, some requirements. They are not onerous. They are not burdensome. But just simply some basic things uh, that need to be fulfilled. Now, ministry-wise, there's something that I need to really focus on with the help of some people in the church in here. And they are the Articles of Incorporation, the Bylaws, and the Statement of Faith. All of that is outdated here in the church, and we need to change it because there are some issues coming up in our society that will threaten the church. And it is necessary that we hone this down to the T and make sure that it is able to stand up under legal scrutiny. And so I would covet your prayers in this. It is a laborious process. No pastor wants to be involved in that. And there are those that are gifted in this area. And I will seek those people out as well as attorneys and other pastors. I already have uh, three different copies of things that we could incorporate. And so I'm going to be doing that. Secondly, I'm going to focus on the leadership of the church. And the leadership of the church, I am going to try to meet with other leaders and uh, specifically with Eric and others. And we're going to sit down and offer our support, pray for those people in the specific ministries, see how we can hone any particular ministry. Uh, We're, again, going to place some requirements, but I'm not going to micromanage. That's not my job. Neither is that the job of anybody in leadership. Everybody has their particular gift, and it should be allowed to blossom. 
Also, we're going to focus on the children, all aspects of ministry that involves them, all the way from the infants, toddlers, Sunday school, middle school, and high school. God has given me some ideas uh, with some of these things, and I'm going to bounce those ideas off. Again, I'm not going to make these decisions unilaterally. And also, uh, the building here. Uh, The building is a never-ending issue. And we need to have people that are skilled in this just come together and take charge of that. I, I think I have been blessed and gifted in several different areas, but I also recognize my limitations. I cannot do everything. And so I need to have a team of people that can just go in there, not for my sake, but for the sake of the body and for the sake of Christ. And so uh, that position or that particular ministry of looking after the building here is no less important than looking after the teaching or looking after the children or looking after the ushers and everybody who comes through. And so that needs to be developed. And also the outreach. Of course, right now we have a team in Cambodia and they return on Wednesday. Uh, I am going again in December, December 28th, uh, over to Cambodia and with Pastor Drew and some people from Mexico and Australia will be doing the same thing again. And so everything that we geared up for this time, we're going to have to gear, gear up for again. And thank you for everybody that supplied, whether it's the, the glass, glasses and the she's and everything that we took, the uh, medications and the giving that was done for that. It was just fantastic. Uh, but we're going to do that again. And it is, um, I have been offered a chance to go to Africa. And so I'm going to, Lord willing, uh, be going to Kenya. And in Kenya, uh, in in the spring, we're going to go to an area where it is so primitive, uh, they are still in their birthday suits. And we're going to take to them the gospel. And we're going to take to them a medical mission. Uh, Again, this is Lord willing. And then also, uh, we're going to, keep our focus on things like Christmas on the Main and Operation Christmas Child and the VBS and all of that. I mean, those, we are a small church. We are not a mega church. And the things that we get accomplished, I look back and I just think, wow, we, we have done so much. I just don't want to make the error, the same error as the church of Ephesus, that we are so busy on doing things that we have left our first love which is Jesus Christ. And so those things are important and we need to maintain those. But we need, I think, to build up our love for Christ and our love for um, the body. And there's also outreaches that I'm still praying about, skate park, the high school, the middle school, things to do with that. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like, but we're going to definitely be heading in that direction. And we're going to reevaluate our mission effort. Uh, who we have been given to for just decades. Does the Lord still want us to do that? Does he want us to focus on other areas, give to other new ministries or missions who are going out there and help them? So we're going to reevaluate that. Now, some other outreach and ministry possibilities that have come to mind, still praying about, you know, things with the men's and the women's ministries and prison and convalescent home. You know, God told us that we are to minister to the widows and the orphans in their time of affliction told us that we're to minister to those who are sick and to those who are in prison. And if the Lord opens that door up, that's great. Uh, But if I met with all the people who do all the ministries here, I think I told you it would take six months if I met with two ministries per month. 
just to go through uh, with everybody and talk to everybody. Now, with the slightest change, there is always an opportunity to bring an offense. Uh, the most recent was we made an, a, a change with the ushering and the counting of the offering, and there was an offense that was brought uh, because of that. And we're just simply following through with counsel that we were given to limit the number of hands that the money goes through just for the, the sake of being prudent with uh, the money that goes through the church here. And it brought an offense. And so just the slightest of changes can do that. And so we need to be praying for a spirit of unity. I'm not going to come in and say, we're tearing down the building and building a bigger building. I'm not, you know, just, I'm not going to do stuff like that. There are, are small things that we just need to tweak, that we need to set in a different direction. And not all those are defined yet. And they will be defined, but we need to seek after unity. And when the Lord wants us to make a change, all we need to do, just like me, I need to say, Lord, you want to make a change? It's your church. Whatever you want to do, we'll just head in that direction. And I'm not going to complain or murmur or get upset. Whatever you want, I'm on board because we need to be behind the master. And I know this last thing, you are loved by Patty and I. And I know that those people in ministry, sometimes it's difficult to focus on the aspects of love because you're trying and working so hard uh, to accomplish what the Lord has called you to and what he has called me and Patty to. And the Lord provides for all of us his unmerited favor. There is grace and abundance available. And uh, to his church, he is the one that is to guide us and we are simply to submit to him in all things. So for us... You know, we just need to pray that the Lord would bless it, that the Lord would have his hand on it, not going anywhere. I'm, I'm still here. The Lord did not tell me to quit. And by the way, I cannot quit. I cannot stop until he tells me or removes me. And that's just the way it works when you're called to ministry. And so I want to make sure that as I follow that, you follow that too as I try to follow the example of Jesus and Paul and all the people from the Old Testament that were faithful and reading about them and refreshing my memory on those guys, that you would do the same, that you would see those who serve in ministry here, that you consider them and that you would pray for them. And at this particular point, you know, we're going to have a service on Wednesday. I don't know what I'm teaching about yet. I've got to talk to Eric about that, but we're going to continue with that. We're going to stay in the same mode. If you have any questions or comments, I will be here uh, until the crow flies uh, towards the east if you have questions or comments or things that might be helpful. And I would invite those. But at this time, I'd like to pray for all of us. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for the time of refreshing, the time of going away. Uh, it provides for us such a time of clarity. Uh, and all the notes, Lord, that both Patty and I have written down in the time of meditation. Help those to be recalled easily to mind. That, Lord, you would uh, just bless the efforts of all who are here, knowing that we are your church, and you take care of us, and you love us, and you guide us, and we will trust in that grace that you have shed upon us, just like in the Old Testament, the sacrifices were offered with an abundance of salt 
as we offer our sacrifices of praise, as we offer our sacrifices of service and of our resources, we know that we receive your grace, and not because of the things that we have done, but because of what you have accomplished. So, Lord, we love you, we commit ourselves to you, and we wait to see with expectation what you will do. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen.